You're listening to Once, episode 15, Skin Deep. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Dan Flynn. And I'm Jenny. And we are so happy to have you with us. If you are not subscribed to the podcast yet, then please do so (laughs) over at oncepodcast.com. And that way you can make sure that you get these episodes automatically. And while you're there, check out the blog post also that we post frequently, and you can subscribe to those as well. And check out our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums, where we have some awesome people talking about some awesome things and sharing some awesome theories. It's cool. It is. You thought I was going to say awesome. (laughs) And we are so happy to have you here with us. We're talking about this episode of Skin Deep. We already did an initial reactions to it, but now we're going to get into this in more detail because there is, wow, so much to talk about with this one. And what I'm hearing from a lot of the other listeners is they're saying things like best episode and favorite episode so far. Would you guys agree? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. Best ever. Agree. So far. It was definitely the best. And the most, like throughout the entire thing, both sides, Storybrooke and Fairytale, were equally compelling and equally mm-hmm. good. I was getting chills just rewatching it, like already knowing exactly what happens, watching it again at certain spots, like when Mr. Gold says Rumpelstiltskin, it's just like, <laughs> I got chills all three times I watched it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Awesome episode. And wow, they had to cram a lot of stuff into this episode too, because they had to do the whole Beauty and the Beast thing and Storybrooke and do that all in 45 minutes which is what they call an hour on television. But after commercials, it's about 45 minutes. They lied to us. (laughs) But they did an amazing job with an amazing story. So let's get into this. Starting with Fairytale Land. Right away, we see that red sky. And we know it looks just like the Ogre Wars. And that's what they're talking about, is that this is the Ogre Wars. Now, we know that the Ogre Wars were going on during the... A time when Rumpelstiltskin was just an ordinary man. And Jane Espenson, the author of this episode. Espenson. Yeah. How's it pronounced? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I've never heard it said. It's Espenson. Or, yeah. She answered a tweet during the episode and she was live tweeting. You can follow her on Twitter. We'll have a link in the show notes for this podcast over at oncepodcast.com slash 15. So you can follow her. But she was live tweeting during the episode when it was airing, and I forgot about that. But someone had asked her, how long has Rumpelstiltskin been cursed? And she said, centuries. This He was in the first Ogre Wars, or war. And this is apparently a second, or maybe a third, or maybe it's been an ongoing thing. Just kind of like one of our listeners sent in an email saying that it's similar to World War One and Two. The first one was called the Great War, mm-hmm. and it wasn't called World War One until the second one happened. Except we right. didn't have ogres. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that they have 
sort of the canon for the history of the story written out, something that all the writers can refer to so that their histories are always consistent. You know, I'm hoping that when she says this, it's something they've actually established in the overall story from which all the authors are drawing and not just, you know, speculation that they haven't actually fully worked out yet. Yeah, I think they do because these writers are skilled and they developed a lot of those skills from working on Lost. Right. And so that's why this the story writing is so good in the two timelines. They're doing such a great job on this because they've learned so much from working on Lost. I think Regina's also started this, the the Ogre Wars, just because she also, when she was going to sacrifice the heart initially, the her prize stallion, there was an ogre there and she was like on sides with the ogre. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. The one that ripped like half his hair out in one chunk. <laughs> 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 Looked like he could have been picking his nose instead. Right away, we see that map, and I took a screenshot of the map, and there's a cool thing on it. Well, there are obvious things, like it says northern mountains, southern mountains, eastern mountains, whatever. But also, there are two rivers on it. One river is named Teglar, or Tigalar. It's T-I-G-E-L-A-A-R, and I didn't get a chance to look up uh, if that's tied to anything. But the other river was Kitsis river oh nice named after one of the authors of once upon a time edward kitsis yes so that was awesome that that was their little easter egg there i was thinking katniss from hunger games but (laughs) something different (laughs) do you know something i observed what i noticed that unlike the beast rumple has something to lose by loving bell and the beast had something to gain by loving bell oh that's true a lot of this was very much flipped in the Beauty and the Beast story. Like from what we know, uh, both from the fairy tale kind of, and from especially the Disney version, a lot of it was flipped. Like in the Disney version, Belle was just a poor person and her father was a crazy inventor with no power or influence. In this, Belle is almost like a princess and her father is a duke, uh, something. He's called Sir. He's not called Your Majesty or anything. Well, interestingly, as I understand a little of medieval times i believe often kingdoms were really not much larger than a city and so these kings were more like mayors in a way mm-hmm. so maybe but maybe i'm not sure where the distinctions come in he wasn't a king but he was almost like a king of a small kingdom are you sure that maurice was called sir because i heard that gaston was called sir and that made me think that he was a knight. I, I think they both were called sirs. Maybe. But, um, and Maurice, we're calling him that because that's the name that Belle's father had in the actual fairy tale, or at least the Disney version. And we never heard the name Maurice used for her father. But did she call him father, right? Yes. Well, we also know in Storybrooke, he was called Mo, which is, we found, we Googled, was short for Maurice. Yeah. And Moses, but I'm thinking it's Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> and his last name was French, and the cartoon took place in, like, France. Yeah, his Storybrooke last name. Yeah, his yeah. Storybrooke name. Although, it's funny that uh, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is a French fairy tale. Yes. But the... <laughs> The accents of both um, Sir Maurice, if we'll call him that, and Belle were Australian. <laughs> <laughs> he had an Australian accent? Yeah. How did I not notice that? Are you sure it was Australian? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely an Australian accent. Mm. Well, in the Disney cartoon, they have no accent at all. (laughs) (laughs) True. Well, except for the clock and the the candlestick. A couple other Easter eggs I saw in that first scene, because there were a lot of things in there, uh, is, I, I believe it was Maurice says, oh my gods. When he's like, <gasps> which yes. now there are multiple ideas on this. One is that simply because of the Greek mythology that they're pulling because they have Midas in Once Upon a Time. And so they're pulling some Greek mythology. Maybe that's just the nature there. But the other thing I thought is Jane Espenson helped write a lot of the Battlestar Galactica series, where mm-hmm. in Battlestar Galactica, every time... We're used to hearing people say God. They would say gods. Mm -hmm. The humans did. Yeah. So I think that could be a little homage to her Battlestar Galactica work. Well, she answered that question in a tweet too. I don't know if this is good or bad. It it answers some of our questions, but doesn't leave a lot of room for (laughs) speculation. But she said that they're, it's just simple polytheism. Oh, okay. Well, it also has the golden fleece that we've found in the king's castle that we notice later in a screenshot um that actually ties back to greek mythology hmm. so there might have been some of that mixed within it too or she could have just done it and it just happened to match okay well in the words of rumpelstiltskin well that was a bit of a letdown i love it when he <laughs> oh, says that's awesome. <laughs> i love it when he when he reminds them of the letter they wrote <laughs> you sent me a message something about um <laughs> help help we're dying. Can you save us? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> He's so flippant about Help. it. Help. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I noticed in that scene is, and Dan, you were talking about this while we were, we were rewatching it, is the pictures of the window. And mm-hmm. outside, when it starts, you see kind of two colors in the sky, red and generally dark outside. But dark you also- is not really a color. <laughs> well, you also see some light blue sky. Okay, that's two colors continue <laughs> but and it stays that way mostly and then when rumpelstiltskin says the deal has been struck the next time you see the window it looks a little bit brighter really i yeah. have to compare them yeah it looks like other castles or something out there wishful thinking mountain. i saw no. definitely a mountain by really okay notice if there were other castles yeah so uh the subtext there was what exactly did he do did he snap his fingers and the ogres disappear and turn into roses or did he just protect that town maybe he didn't finish the war well we already see him open and close doors without even gesturing to them they just open and close yeah that happens to me when i go to the grocery store though (laughs) yeah and gaston is in there (laughs) the young lady is engaged to me yeah his acting was kind of is that australian too daniel like like he totally like held out his sword like like and then (laughs) like i would and then rumple just pushes it away (laughs) he just bats it yeah no he like holds it all the way out like he's totally afraid he doesn't want to like right but rumple just like pushes it down yeah so what else did you guys notice from the scene or want to talk about in just this opening scene? Here? It looked like some of the battles had taken inside, too. Like, they yeah. had really gotten beat up because the throne mm. actually had, like, a sword stab through it or something mm. like that on the right, huh. and it looked very worn. And there was actually a hole in the wall. Oh. Like, it how looked like I, it was How blasted. did I see a tear in fabric, oh. but I missed a hole in the wall? <laughs> I just noticed the tear in the fabric. Okay. I have seen the episode three times. I only saw the hole in the wall one time. I didn't see anything. I don't know why. It only shows 
at one time because that's the only time they show from that angle. Interesting. I, think. Hmm, yeah. I missed it. Yeah, it's a giant hole. They had some really good jobs, a uh, good, good job with the lighting effects in that room with the three D, mm-hmm. um, the three D environments. So they matched it well. Matched it well. I think they've been doing a better job throughout the uh, the series with that. Yeah, only once in this episode did I kind of go, eh, lighting's a little off. It was in a very dark scene, but it's been, yeah, it's been very good. I tend to notice it a lot more because I used to do 3D animation. <laughs> but they, yeah, they do a good job for especially the yeah, budget they did a better they job. Have. That's the thing. It's not a movie budget. Not everyone has eyes like us. Bleak on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't hate on the people who aren't graphic designers. <laughs> so they call Rumpelstiltskin a beast. Because it's more um, a metaphor of what he is. Didn't you not... love his face? <laughs> <laughs> his fake shock. Looks like a teenager just yeah. won the beauty pageant. Oh my gosh, did you just call me a beast? Oh, please don't, don't do, do that, that again. <laughs> never. We're going to edit that from the podcast so I never have to hear it again. <laughs> uh, everything he does is amazing. Mm. he's okay it's great how his character in fairy tale land and storybrook is so diverse that it mm-hmm. makes you think they're two people like i'd like to see how he prepares himself for rumpelstiltskin's role in the mirror oh, i know yeah. yeah they are pretty different you're right he is incredible a lot of these characters yes have two personalities but he's demonstrated so many different personalities and he does them all so convincingly yeah. well and really there's a bigger difference than you might think at first, even between Regina in Storybrooke and Regina in Fairy Tale. If you, I heard her mention in a in an interview that she studied voice for ten years, and the two have different voices. And if you listen, she, um, it's really true. They do have different voices, except mm. at the end when she talked was in the jail talking to Mister Gold. One of one line she said was, "Pure evil queen." It was pretty amazing. Really? I didn't catch that. And she said, we I... shall see. <laughs> I was uh, like, whoa, yeah, whoa. We'll, we'll get to that because that's More chills. <laughs> a huge section to talk about there. In Rumpelstiltskin's castle, by the way, he calls it the Dark Castle. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that. that. Because um, in the original Disney version, the whole, the curse is put on the entire castle and what used to be a really bright white clean looking castle is turned into like darkness like it's all dark and morbid and gargoyles uh, and i loved stuff. how it had like a mind to its own too i mean granted rumpelstiltskin was like flinging his hands and shutting doors but it had that magical feeling to it mm-hmm. there were a lot of items just in that dining room which was almost the only room we saw of his castle there were a lot of items that were little hints to the Disney version. Of course, there's the chipped teacup. That mm-hmm. one's the big obvious there one. There are candlesticks near Bell's room. Yeah. Bell's room. Well, one of the <laughs> shots. One of the dungeon. shots in the dining room, too. Oh, yes. The dungeon. That's right. <laughs> that was awesome. Let's call it your room. My room? Well, it sounds a lot nicer than dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Go clean your dungeon. <laughs> oh, did you notice that when she dropped the cup? I just thought it was really funny that it ended up under her skirt. Like it just kind of rolled under there. I just thought it was amusing. And also, <laughs> oh, I was gonna say also when he locks her in the dungeon, do you notice that he just, there's no locks, the locks are all magical. 
that there's no actual clasp that comes down. There, and shut there the, is. Yeah, he put like a bar over it. There is. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of the handle. There's no handle on the inside, but it's on the outside. It's just. Uh, a, I thought for sure. At least yeah, I noticed bar. it in the very end. I'll have to look at it again. Also, in that room, going back to that, uh, there's a clock. The clock and the candle stand are right, right next, next to each, each other. other. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't see any Mickey Mouse in this episode that I caught, but those mm-hmm. are awesome. But other things in the room, too, that are found throughout this. And someone in the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums, it was H-J-B-A-U, Hitchbowl. Heather. Oh, Heather. <laughs> you. Uh, noticed these things. Geppetto's puppets, or puppet parents, in the background. <laughs> A wizard's hat. Sorry, that's not funny. Poor Geppetto. And we'll have screenshots of these things, too. A wizard's hat, like Merlin's hat, uh, with stars on it, and it's blue. An axe that looked Egyptian, to at least Heather, and probably some other people, too, I think. A stuffed head, maybe the monitors. Um, you mean minotaur? Minotaurs, yeah. <laughs> the monitor. The candlestick and clock. It's the head of and a computer. a golden cup. And uh, I, I call I that a crown. Chalice. Yeah, a crown, crown in the, in the, uh, in cabinet. the cabinet. Yeah. What's the difference between a cup and a chalice? <laughs> uh, chalice is the, it's the shape of it. Yeah. Okay, I thought that cup kind was a chalice. A chalice is a specific a kind of a cup. Oh, the chalice from the palace. I was thinking of that too. <laughs> <laughs> the chalice from the palace. Maybe it's Alice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Sorry. Let's stop I rhyming. I want to see the <laughs> Alice in Wonderland thing soon. It'd be cool. <laughs> then as they continue on oh with yeah go ahead we did we mention the puppets yeah, yeah. oh yeah, we the, did okay i'm wondering if if rumpelstiltskin loses rumpelstiltskin loses his power if they become people again what loses his power i don't know if they are people again? well the puppets that he turned oh, in. Those people. That's a good question. Why? I mean, why else are they going to show them hanging all the time? I think they're going to eventually turn into... Um, so, hmm. whoa, because we know Belle is in Storybrooke, and you're saying, what if someday they get back together, fall Somebody in love? Somebody just needs kiss. to kiss those puppets. <laughs> just kiss them. Or the I don't know if you can show them. true love to a puppet. That, That's just that a little weird. Interesting. If all the magic he's done is undone, well, then mm-hmm. what happens to Cinderella or Ashley? Hmm? She has to go back to living with glass slippers and a nice no, pumpkin palace. Because magic <laughs> brought palace. them together, but it didn't create their love. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Did nice you guys quote. notice how Rumpel became like more golden as he uh-huh. became happier? Oh, as he as he became happier? Mm. I mean like like as he his feelings grew for Belle. He didn't have the oh, color yeah, dark yeah. on him. I think dark. I think the most romantic <laughs> like he gray. line he yeah. said. And you will skin the children I hunt. <laughs> that one was a quip. Not serious. So it's his fault that Chip got chipped. Yeah, but that created such a memento. Oh, I love too when he says, it's just a cup. Yeah. So you know it has nothing. It's not going to turn into his son or anything like that in the future. Yeah. It's just a cup. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That. They did kind of steal that idea. I thought Belle looked more like Dorothy. Did you see her socks and shoes? Huh, funny. Hmm. She looked like... She had blue socks. How that. did you see her sh- her socks and shoes? When she's... she's on the ladder? Um, well, no. There was a better shot of them when she was on the road, as well oh. as before that, when she was sitting with Rumpel hmm. on but she the table. 
She did look like Belle looked in the beginning of the Disney movie. Yeah, Yeah, well, with the yellow dress, the kind of golden colored dress. Well, that was later in the movie. And also the blue dress. In the Disney version, she didn't get her gold dress until she lived with the Beast. Right. So that's backwards. (laughs) Well, a lot was kind of backwards in this from at least the Disney version. Well, did she have the gold dress in the very, very beginning? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Because in this story, she's not a peasant per se. Yeah. When... She goes to and live she with the beast. Read books, and she act, her life actually becomes more simple when <laughs> yeah. she goes to live with Rumpelstiltskin as opposed to before. True. Before by before, I actually mean the Disney version. Also, when um, Gaston comes by, and uh, hold on, I've got that actual clip. <laughs> okay, I am Sir Gaston, and you beast have taken. Poof. <laughs> That's what you get for mumbling. Now, when he does that, though, I thought it was really funny because Maurice, or Mo in Storybrooke, delivers flowers. Mm-hmm. And oh. sort of he delivered mm-hmm. himself as a flower. Well, there's some debate on that. And I have to give credit to my friends Jeff and Colleen Roney over at onceuponatimepodcast.com. They have been keeping track of the color of smoke. Oh, and I saw it was purple. It was bright purple. Yeah, and they've said, and some of this, I kind of question, is it just the lighting that's making the colors of the smoke? But there's definitely color smoke mixed there. in. They're, they're like when um, Rumpelstiltskin snapped uh, and the guy disappeared. Got it. The color of the smoke was purplish, and Jeff and Colleen have said that purple smoke has always been around when someone has teleported somewhere. Right. So. That gives theory. That gives support to the theory that Gaston wasn't killed; he was just teleported somewhere. That's oh. true. I was thinking the smoke from the curse was purple, like right when it was ripping up the castle. But they were teleporting. I don't know about that. That's... And then the sword was turned into a flower. Someone in, I think, the forums had suggested that only inanimate what? objects can be changed into other inanimate objects because his sword yeah oh um gaston's sword because he was holding it out when he knocked on the door hmm. and saying you beast have taken and then poof and the flower if you look the flower is in front of where gaston was standing so that's where it fell we don't actually see it fall mm. because they just didn't drop it well, in the camera but he, but, well, i mean that theory. could be i guess i guess it could be I, th- I think it is a good theory because like jeff and colleen kept track of the other colors of smoke and how they've been seemingly consistently used like green is kind of the the curse right and uh purple being transporting and then there was another color too so i, I thought just, it was all I, black when the queen transported out of the wedding though mm, that's true it was black. I, I think it did have a little bit of purple. Which doesn't mean that they hadn't the, just not thought of it yet. <laughs> yeah, but that was the clearest form of teleportation that we've seen. Yeah. We know she teleported. I and enjoyed, it was black. I enjoyed the thought of Belle snipping the stem and thinking, <laughs> she just cut his feet off. <laughs> you enjoyed that, huh? I enjoyed that. I, I, I expected the rose to start like wilting and having flowers you know, fall off when Belle was t- like, like the denouncing her love of him to, uh, to Rumple. Yeah. Maybe it did, and we just didn't notice. But we, no, we don't see kept the rose is repeated a couple times. We see it still in the vase, but it's not throughout the episode. Eventually, it is taken away, which makes it's sense because end, she's there. Storybrooke too. It is. Oh well. When yeah, a rose anyway. A rose. Well, right. It's not the same rose. Maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> that one stem was longer. <laughs> it 
we saw a very similar thing um, to the Stockholm syndrome where people start to have feelings for their captors and Belle starts having feelings for Rumpelstiltskin. But one of her reasons, though, for saying this does kind of make sense because she she even says, if I'm not to know anyone for the rest of my life, can I at least know you? Mm-hmm. And she wants to get to know him and she's starting to see behind his skin that he's not a monster. Perhaps you just want to learn the monster's weaknesses. <laughs> nah. You're not a monster. You think you're uglier than you are. That's why you cover all the mirrors up, isn't it? Hmm? Nope. Sure. <laughs> That's not why it covers the mirrors. <laughs> Which I hadn't noticed until rewatching this, that he uncovered the mirror to yell oh, yeah. into it. I noticed. You guys got it better than I Well, did. because she can't listen. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least it appears that she always can only see through the mirrors, so oh. she has to lip read. Good point, yeah. <laughs> now, um, somebody tweeted during the show, keeping Queen's spy out probably requires covering other reflective surfaces other than the giant mirror, and Jane Espenson <laughs> retweeted it and said, true. Yeah, well, that's, that's, why, that's I, why I... Huh. I oh, we're probably going to say the same thing. You go ahead. That's why he was breaking the cabinet doors at the end when he was all angry at Belle and... oh. I think no, that's not what I was going to say about that. I think that's why he was breaking the cabinet doors that were glass. I thought he was just like, ticked off. Like maybe he thought that she hmm. had used something other than mirrors to spy on him. And that's how she knew to talk to Belle. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Well, I was thinking that was why he had the windows covered, if nothing else. Hmm. Oh, right. Right. Yeah, I guess it was sort of what I was going to say. I was going to just mention that the queen definitely knew what was going on inside the castle. Like she, she knew that Belle was there. She knew... That she started to love him, and so she had some inside information from somewhere. So it might have been some reflective service, well, I don't she, know. it was easy for her to know that Belle was there, and she could probably assume things, especially when the queen saw Belle along the road. Which, by the way, that scene where she was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, did my carriage splash you? I totally expected her to be really evil and get back in and have the carriage splash her. <laughs> And then she's like, come walk with me for a spell. I know. That yeah, was a creepy. Just the wording there. It was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> for a spell. And from that exact same scene, we hear actually said twice, just reworded differently. True love's kiss will break any curse. Any curse, like your curse, Regina. That's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Because we already know that true love broke the curse on Snow White and she woke up. And that's that's, uh, in the Disney version. It shows the writing of the curse. It says can only be broken by true love's kiss or first kiss, I think it might say. No, just true love's kiss. Okay. Um, Thanks. We also see when... um, Sheriff Graham and Emma kissed. Mm-hmm. That broke the curse. But when David and Mary Margaret kissed, it didn't. Right. I'm thinking because David isn't really having true love for her when they kissed. Because but he's he still her. conflicted. He No, he woofs Catherine. <laughs> woofs. Yeah, there we go. Catherine, I woof such you. such a stupid card. <laughs> Guys, never well, get that card. I've got something never. else to say about those later. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not sure that's 
I don't know. Maybe the person who cast the curse is really... Although, I mean, Rumpelstiltskin is the cursee, so... He created it. It does... Maybe an uncursed person has to kiss the cursed for it to break. And <laughs> Mary Margaret and David are both cursed, and so mm-hmm. it doesn't so work. So Emma would be the only one uncursed here. So, so she again, has to fall in love with everybody. She <laughs> and Henry have to go around and kiss everybody. <laughs> so um, I don't think so. I think Henry, you get the girls, I'll get the boys. Uh, so Belle goes back to the castle. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, even before that, when um, Belle was seeing Rumple working with the the um, spindle thing, spinner, whatever thing. Why do you spin so much? I like to watch the wind. Helps me forget. Forget what? I guess it worked. <laughs> I he think... showed a great sense of humor in this episode. He'd be a great grandfather. <laughs> it seemed like Belle became accepting of him really quickly, but they mentioned that it had been a couple of months already, and if he's acting like that, it's kind of easy to see why she's not so unhappy. Mm-hmm. And later on, they do have that conversation sitting at the table where he does say he lost his son and his wife. And I think that's maybe what it is he's trying to forget. Hmm. You think? As he lost his wife, it almost... Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, why would if you were the boy, why would you stay with well, the dark the one? The boy always seems like he has no recollection of his, of his mother. Right. And, I mean, this is something I was going to say, because we go into the part where she talks about his son, then that's when she tries to... And then that's when they actually kiss, right afterward. Correct? Right. Um, right. No, they kiss. They kiss after. Well, she Belle talks about the sun. She goes and has, goes for the walk, but then she comes back and says, "And you were going to tell me about your son." Yeah, but he doesn't actually deal. tell her. He yeah. just says something short. She gives up really then, fast. Yeah, she kisses him. Stop she... talking and pucker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, do you do you have? Um, I mean, because you know what Rumpelstiltskin says after they they kiss. Yeah, he, he's so furious. And it was cool, though, to see his face change. But mm-hmm. when he realizes what's going on... Yeah. No one can ever, ever love me! Yeah, that line right there, that got me thinking. Um, if no one could ever love him, I wonder if he was actually... If his son is actually his son, or if um, he was married... But she went off and she never died, but she left him for somebody else, which means mm. she's still alive. And his son, you know, he had his son and everything, but um, basically whoever he loved did leave him. And that's why he thinks that no one can ever love him. Maybe I mean, that's what turned him into a coward. Maybe he's mm. just protecting his power and he's just saying that no one can ever love him because then he's in danger of losing it. And he says mm. that later to Belle that he said an extremely painful line, mm. too. But I'm not a coward, dearie. It's quite simple, really. My power means more to me than you. Ouch. Not a very good Valentine's Day line. She contradicted him, though, and I think she's right. Mm -hmm. Well, and we see that because he's so emotional over losing her. And he was always called a coward in Mm -hmm. in the earlier episodes when they actually gave him delve into his past a little bit yeah uh, that's i thought it was interesting that she called him a coward again and he's got all this power because he didn't want to be a coward but that's why i think his wife didn't die which by the way too 
I don't think he ever refers to his son's mother as his wife. He always re- refers to her as my my the boy's mother, my boy's mother. Mm, maybe he never here. calls. Well, he never calls her his wife as if maybe he found the boy. Well, the soldiers back in Desperate Souls episode, the soldiers did say whose wife couldn't stand the sight of him. Maybe okay. maybe yeah. she's just dead to him and he's not even willing to acknowledge that she ever lived. I think she left him and that's why he feels unloved and that's why he's so cowardice because he's self-conscious and he needs to sit on a couch with a shrink. In our chat room. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Hopper. Yeah, in our chat room. By the way, we do this live every Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time over at noodle.mx slash live. We're part of the Noodle Mix Network, so that's why we're at noodle.mx slash live. But in the chat room, one of the anonymous people in the chat room pointed out that if Stiltskin <laughs> is centuries old, how can his wife be alive now? And that's, I think, a very important point is that She's not alive. Well, whatever the case, she's not alive. That means his son's dead too. Probably. And that's probably part of what bothers him so much. But the way he talks about love, especially Mr. Gold later on, talks about love. It sounds like he lost his son in some way other than just his son aging and dying before he did. I think his son was afraid of him and left him and... And Rumple didn't really want that to happen, so he's just saying that he lost his son. If nothing else, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but the way she said that she found small clothes upstairs, it sounds like he lived there, but maybe also only when he was young. Right, um, I, I did write, I hmm, did notice that. Maybe. Speaking of upstairs... There's the spot when Bell is coming back after having seen the evil queen along the road. He's upstairs in one of the towers, and it looks like there's a table for mixing potions in the background, and it looks like he's in a library. I think that's the same one that he had when he met um, Geppetto. I mean, um, the cricket, Jiminy. Yes, <laughs> there we go. exactly. Oh. I think it's the same library okay. when he met Jiminy about 40, oh, 50 right, years Oh, right, when before. he was waiting for Bell to come back. Yeah. Yes. That's right. It does look like the same one. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So it's a pretty cool little thing. We'll have screenshots of those in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 15, and you can check those out for yourself. I love the wardrobe people that for ABC. I think they're doing a great job with his outfits because he even had like alligator skin on at one point, and at least I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but he had multiple different outfits for this. I think some of which we haven't seen before. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the alligator one, I think we've seen in the past, but it's just neat. You got to see a little bit more of it. And uh, yeah, it definitely makes his personality come to life more. Yeah. Again, quality. The, the soundtrack in this episode was particularly good yeah. as well. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Mark Isham did an amazing job on this. And by the way, we're going to have an affiliate link that you can use if you want to purchase some of the songs from what Mark Isham and uh, ABC have been able to release that you can buy from iTunes. So if you go to oncepodcast.com slash soundtrack, that will work that you can buy that in iTunes. And uh, eventually that link will take you to a page that will tell you how you can buy it in iTunes and Amazon when it's released in Amazon, but that's not there yet. Mm -hmm. So you can go to oncepodcast.com slash soundtrack and buy that straight from iTunes. And then We'll get a little bit of the affiliate money from that, and it won't cost you anything extra. When the evil queen came... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. 
Uh, I noticed also that the roses were dungeon, the dungeon bars, that the dungeon bars were roses. Did you notice that? Yeah, that was cool. I thought that was cool because there were a lot of roses in in this episode and I thought that was really nice because it kind of tied it in to like the Disney version where the old woman gives him a rose, which also he tells Belle that it was an old woman selling roses at the door when it was, <laughs> was guest great. on. So I liked, I liked that they, they included that. Really? Where is Gaston? Do you think we're going to see Gaston in I hope not. I don't really care for him. I'd rather see Graham. Rose. I think he's a dead rose. Oh, rose. I think that's the most simple. Unless, I mean, I can go either way. I can see that that was the end of Gaston because he was missing. So, well, I mean, what are they going to do? Bring him back to kill him again? I mean, <laughs> well, it's no. not like he's really going to be. I don't think he's going to be that great of a character. He wasn't a great character. Maybe. He shows up and he he gives his name, which he already knew, and then he starts to tell rumple what he did which he already knows i'm like just get to the point maybe in <laughs> the rose was better <laughs> maybe in storybrook bell will fall in love with gaston <gasps> and rumple stiltskin will be robbed <gasps> of bell sorry i'm getting sick at that idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty nasty but could happen although bell is locked in we're gonna get into that in just a moment the the last thing <laughs> is Keep in mind, I'm going to use the sound clip later, but the evil queen came and talked to Rumpelstiltskin and said stuff about what Belle's father supposedly did. But evil queen is lying, but Rumpelstiltskin believes her about it. And the evil queen, though, started this conversation by saying she has a deal to discuss about a particular, a certain mermaid. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited. Ariel. And... <laughs> Probably. So I think that's a definite hint that we're going to see, probably, Ariel in a future episode. I wonder if she's, if she's walking yet. With maybe <laughs> Regina filling the role of Ursula. Could be. Yeah, she because could take that role pretty good. We're seeing characters filling multiple rows. And I mentioned roles. And I mentioned this in the initial reactions. And I'm not sure I like that. Like with Rumpelstiltskin being the beast also, or Sydney being the mirror and the genie. Yeah. I don't mind it. By the way, um, when she's having that discussion with Rumpelstiltskin and she starts, uh, are you talking about the, the part where, right, she comes in and yeah, right she talks end. about what happened to Belle? Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, she talks about how she's been neglected and pushed away and then Rumpelstiltskin you see like right through his skin to his uh, like real self. And he says, does she need a home? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was surprising because you usually don't see any side of Rumpelstiltskin like that. This is mm-hmm. the first time really throughout multiple times in the episode, you see a, like a compassionate, caring human being behind right. uh, his gold skin. Yeah. And you realize how normal he's been acting toward Belle when he gets angry with her. And, suddenly starts doing all his hand gestures and calling her dearie and right before he swore, which I suddenly realized he doesn't do. Hmm. When he was telling her to shut up, he's cursing. I was like, well, I guess he doesn't normally do that because it doesn't really fit his character normally. And it seemed more human than he normally seems. I just wanted to make note of the fact that, uh, Rumble Stiltskin replaced the golden cup with the chipped cup 
mm-hmm. on that place of honor, like the pedestal uh-huh. and stuff. It almost, I think they were leading us to think he was maybe going to crush it when he didn't. Oh. Because yeah. that's what I was thinking at first, is it looked like he wanted to crush it to completely oh, not, forget. Like when he picked up the cup? Yeah, and the put gold? it on the pedestal. Oh, no, I just felt he, like he was just replacing it. Mm. I mean, when he wanted to crush it, it was when he picked it up and almost chucked it at the wall. That's when <laughs> yeah. he wanted to crush it. I lied. I do have one other thing. It's just uh, Belle's line from the dungeon when she was leaving after she called him a coward. And she said, all you'll have is an empty heart and a chipped cup. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was brilliant. I think he kept it because... Because, like, he really does care for her. And he just wants her to think that he's all, like, unlovable and stuff. Yep. He's putting up a wall. Yeah. A lot of that going on in this show. So let's cross the wall and talk about Storybrooke. Now, it starts off with <laughs> Mr. French, an Australian guy, <laughs> having his truck taken away. And the name of his <laughs> florist business is a game of of thorns mm-hmm. which like that's not a very pretty name for a florist <laughs> but that's i think there's no such thing as a game of thorns it's a play on the word a game of thrones right which is actually only something that makes sense to people in 2011 2012 ish well, i would think not quite because are the books older the books yeah the books were written in the 1990s okay they were award-winning books a fantasy series about multiple kingdoms all vying for the to rule the master kingdom and family relationships and stuff but it's interesting thing i wonder if it's a hint at that's how this guy lived at, in fairy tale land maurice we're assuming his name lived in fairy tale land that he was one of these family members trying to vie for the kingdom didn't you say that his name is maurice in the credits in Somewhere I thought it was listed as Sir Maurice. Maybe not on the actual TV show credits, but in IMDb or TV.com. Yeah. I think it's safe to to just say that it, he's yeah. Maurice. Yeah. It's a very reasonable assumption. I really liked Mr. Gold's glasses in, in Storybrook. <laughs> Those are the coolest glasses. <laughs> yeah. I all, loved them. Looking all cool. Like John Lennon. <laughs> but then Regina sees this. I've been meaning to talk to you about something. Yeah, and the moment you have something I want to discuss, we'll have that little chat. No, we're going to do this now. It'll only take a moment. Is there something you think you did? Something you need to get out in the open? Because it's going to have to wait. Please. Please. uses the please again. Now, just before this clip were the crow noises again. They were all pretty oh, really? sounding birds yeah. while Mr. Gold was taking the truck away. And then as soon as you see Regina, then you hear it. The, caw, caw, or it might be. <laughs> <our race. laughs> see, that's like two sound clips we can use from this so far and grab those out. <laughs> it might be a raven. But Riddle Raven, one of our listeners, sent in some feedback, adding some extra depth to this for our conversation. Hi, guys. This is Riddle Raven, and I know that I heard on someone's podcast that they were really interested in all of the ravens that we see in the backgrounds of practically every episode, especially behind Regina. I just finished rewatching Sleeping Beauty, and now I've moved on to the special features, and they're talking about how they made the movie, and they touch a little bit on the raven. So I'm going to play the little clip for you. 
It's very difficult to do a character that speaks more or less directly to the audience and does not work closely with another character. So the one thing she had to work with was the raven. It was a story element for her to be able to talk to somebody. But I remember Mark sitting down there and he had a, a, a little 16 millimeter uh, viewer and he had gotten footage from the True Life Adventure people, and they had ravens that they had shot. Oh, I remember them borrowing film from us. I remember a number of times furnishing uh, animal footage to animators for reference. Ravens were in everything we ever made because they're such a ubiquitous bird. So, Ooh. nice little tidbit there. Yeah, on it. Sleeping Beauty has special features. That's what I got from that. <laughs> <laughs> Not the one we borrowed from Netflix. Oh, and Netflix. <laughs> But uh, it it is really interesting. I still stand by the the belief that those noises we hear, ravens or crows, whatever it is, are intentional. Now, the raven or crow wasn't part of Regina as the evil queen's story. That was part of Maleficent's story, and especially the Disney thing. Oh, but my. it does also add just a hint of evilness yeah, to it does. Regina. That's what I was going to say. No. Maleficent was Regina's only friend in fairy tale, but we haven't seen her yet in Storybrook. Right? Mm. Maybe she was turned into exactly. A <laughs> what? No. Uh, that kiss is going to be difficult. <laughs> Where did her uh, unicorn go then? Oh, speaking of unicorns. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to talk about <laughs> quotes from the podcast. Yes. Um, I was going to talk about your PJs. Um, oh. so, <laughs> my. so in the mirror, when Rumpelstiltskin pulls the blank, the blanket or whatever it was, the cover in the mirror, you see a reflection on the wall behind him of a unicorn on the, uh, mm-hmm. like a painting of it, or I don't know if it was a painting or a quilt. I didn't get a screenshot, but it definitely was a unicorn. And in Rumpelstiltskin's home, which this is the first time we saw it, or Mr. Gold's home in Storybrooke, there is also a, a unicorn in there. Before we move on too much, um, Princess Emma in the chat room said, too bad it's not vultures, but what sound do vultures make? <laughs> because in Snow White, the vultures followed the queen around when she was an mm. old hag. and <laughs> Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So what's, what sound do vultures make? They sound like, what do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, something else I wanted to mention was in Mr. Gold's house, he had at least two stained glass windows, kind of. And I thought that was a like a little nod to the stained glass windows in the Disney version, because mm. that's kind of how hmm. they how they gave you the history. Was It, all, it was pictured on oh, yeah. stained glass windows. Yeah. By the I way, about that. someone from Yahoo Answers describes a vulture noise as it's kind of a mournful extended squawk. It's quite disturbing, really, but it's the perfect sound for a bird that basically hovers, waiting for something below to become in, in, <laughs> incapacitated or die. Do you have a sound clip of that? Well, if that I did, would I wouldn't be, be able to awesome. play it. Imitate it. Um, oh, please do. I can't imitate it. <laughs> yeah, Unless it sounds can. like a Wookiee. <laughs> in Storybrooke, Mary Margaret and David are trying not to be together while trying to be together. <laughs> no, we're not yeah. together. <laughs> in the diner. <laughs> But David is reading a book <laughs> called Anna Karenina. I think I pronounced that uh, wrong. Probably wrong. <laughs> I think I pronounced that wrong. That's a true statement. I, I did a little bit of research about the book. Ironically, our listener, Anne, did more research about this. And she said, this is all illustrating how 
much the story, just that little hint of the book that David is reading, that Mary Margaret suggested to him, is actually very well describing the situation that David and Mary Margaret are in, where it's one person, although the book is, it's a man, no, it's a woman loved by two men, but in Storybrook, it's a man loved by two women. And the situations are very similar between the two. And it's kind of odd that Mary Margaret recommended this to him. And the book (laughs) is all about the struggle with adultery and stuff in the book. I thought Ruby was great. Can I push your tables together? As though they really didn't have room to sit at the same table if they wanted to. (laughs) They're in booths. They have plenty of room. Little smart Alec. Then that's also when Mary Margaret was talking about uh, with then the girls came in and they're all talking, let's have a girls night. And Mary Margaret says, if people are supposed to gather, supposed to be together, they'll find a way. And she looks over at David and yep. glances over trying at him. not to look at each other. Feel kind guilty, of, David. To Feel guilty. <laughs> Mary Margaret also says, Ashley, I didn't recognize you. And Ashley says, baby on the outside. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, 28 year pregnancy. I guess you didn't recognize her after. <laughs> I got so used to seeing I heard you like a that. child. The child gains one pound for every day beyond its due date. <laughs> so that's a huge baby. Hmm. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm guessing they weren't growing. Then, So they go to this girl's night, and that's when Hunter sent in a message saying, how is it that Ashley was out drinking with the girls? Isn't she like 17? She's actually 18. Uh, I mean, sure? they were in a bar, and she isn't old enough for that. Well, Where did we get her age? When uh, Emma... And Ashley met in the back, in the laundry room, right. the back of the diner. Right. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Ashley is 19. Okay. I, I said that wrong. Emma said I was 18. Ashley says she's 19. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. But still, legal drinking age in Maine, where Storybrooke is supposed to be, is 21. Okay. Yeah, and, That's odd. And someone else, uh, I think, in the forums pointed out that drinking just after you had a baby is not the healthiest thing to do. How long has it been? Do we have any it's idea? A couple months. By the way, she's 26 according young. to imdb.com. Yeah, the actress. Is. <laughs> yeah, so she's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, they were 28 really years on the plus 18. You have to think of it that way. Everyone, even the <laughs> school children, can. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they've been there for 28 years. Exactly. Right? Rumpel or Mr. Gold later, while they were in his house and he had been robbed, he says again something very familiar to the fairy tale land. He says, I'm a difficult man to love. Definitely leading to, I don't know, was he trying to like say, this is why the person robbed me? But then right before he leaves, he does like give a threat to the person who robbed him. Yeah, he almost says, unless I find them first, but he doesn't finish his sentence. Not that time anyway. And, yeah, that's when he just tries to end it by saying let's just say bad things tend to happen to bad people is that a threat observation do you think regina actually told mo french to steal the cup oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah she admits why did to it. she use him why why did she choose him and why did he do it because he had just got fired or taken his, his job taken away so gold would obviously uh like accuse him of doing anything first it was, i have to wonder why did mr gold fire mr french mr french owed him money 
he said that Mr. French had defaulted on a loan oh, and was okay. struggling in his business. And Regina saw that whole exchange, the taking of the truck. And that's when Regina asked, I need to speak with you. I need to speak with you right now about something. And he said, no, please. Yeah. And <laughs> so he walked on. So this whole thing. And then he says this later in prison. He says, wow, you must have really wanted to talk to me because Regina did orchestrate mm-hmm. this whole thing mm-hmm. of Mr. French stealing everything and Regina keeping that cup so that they would get that opportunity to talk. Regina is an amazing con woman. And they keep showing that, sometimes almost subtly. I sometimes pick up on the con theme a bit more because of Lost, because that was a recurring theme. And they talked a lot specifically about the mechanics of conning at various times. And she does that. She does the whole thing, the getting people to do something and thinking it's their idea. But when Mr. Gold decides to take things into his own hands, he goes to the convenience store. We see Sleepy, or Sneezy, in there again. And David is buying two Valentine's cards. And we know about the one time Valentine's card. It said, I love you. No, I woof you. I woof you? Yeah. (laughs) I thought love the first time, but yeah. The other Valentine's Day card that was intended for Mary Margaret. The castle of the two people. Yeah, it's a castle. Yes. Two people. We'll have a screenshot of that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com. I what he wrote. 15. Yeah, I'm curious too. He probably wrote this huge, long, you know, pouring how? out his love toward her. And the other one just said like three words. How could he mistake? Yellow for red? Yeah. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> James is awesome, but I'm starting to not be all that impressed with David. He's starting to really get on my nerves. He did come out of a coma. Well, I'm hoping that they're... But he didn't really hit his head on anything, but he acts like he did. You've got two cards. How do you screw that up? And by the way, what is this whole thing? You are being so wishy-washy. It's irritating. I understand the whole conflict that they've got going on, but it's... it's uh, Yeah, I'm ready for them to move mm-hmm. it. Me it's too. Valentine's Day. Maybe he's waiting for candy from Easter for both of them. <laughs> Jennifer Goodwin, who plays Snow White and Mary Margaret, live tweets frequently during the live showing of the episode on TV. And she did tweet what the card said. And Anonymous, one of the Anonymouses in our chat room, pointed this out. The card said, you are my happily ever after. Aww. Yeah, that's real. Well, he messed that one up. Yeah. Yeah. Mistaking yellow for red. She doesn't even take the card. He well, the good thing the is the other card wasn't like licked shut, so he could just rewrap it and give it to her. <laughs> Save the other one for next Valentine. Oh, my. Recycle. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think that would be By the, way, the best way. When Mr. Gold was beating the guy, when he actually finds him, um, which it was funny too when David picked out the cards, Mr. Gold was just like talking about the two cards as if, you know, don't notice my duct tape and rope. <laughs> Yeah, and, and right in that same scene, he also says something about love because we've seen Rumpelstiltskin say such terrible things about love, like calling love a disease and all of this stuff. Well, then he says this. Love. It's like a delicate flame. And once it's gone, it's gone forever. When they went to that cabin in the forest, I was thinking that's the same cabin that David and Mary Margaret went in. But I kept comparing the screenshots back and forth between the episodes, and they don't look like the same cabin. No, it's the same cabin. It's the same cabin, because if they're trying to make us think those are different cabins, they're dumb. It's the same cabin. (laughs) It 
yeah, we can assume that, but it does look different from the outside. From the inside, it looks the same. It looks the same from the outside. From the outside, the porch is looks in a the same. Okay. It's still on the front of the cabin, I, but there's something on the door. And if we have not yet gotten a screen capture of that, I'd like to because it looked sort of like an alligator, which I don't know what significance that could have, but I would like to see it. Hmm. So maybe we can have that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put those screenshots in there over at onespodcast.com slash 15. Also, when Mr. Gold was, um, I was going to say when he was actually beating up Mo, um, I realized at first I'm like, oh, that's going to hurt. It's a cane. And then I realized... He's Rumpelstiltskin. That's a solid gold cane. <laughs> that so? thing is, yeah. Hmm. I mean, he had all the extra gold he couldn't spend. Why not make a solid gold cane? At least the tip of it. <laughs> so know. that's got to hurt. The hmm. choking was interesting. And then the things he said while he was beating on him were the first time I got chills. Yeah, that, uh, it's, uh, let me play it. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. My fault. What are you talking about? My fault. I think that's where this conversation changed. Because it's like, where did that come from? What in the world is talking about my fault? And Rumpelstiltskin kind of, it seems like he senses that too. And then he starts going on this rabbit trail. Not rabbit trail. <laughs> he starts going after this. You shut her up. You had her love. And you shut her up. <laughs> She's gone. She's gone forever. She's not coming back. And it's your house, not my You are her father. The music is so beautiful in that scene. <laughs> if you drown everything else out. Oh my. Do you think? Do you think Maurice? Well, Mo in Storybook was actually saying it's not my fault because of Mm-mm. what happened in. Fairytale land? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe he is. Oh, but he also could have... Um, he could have been talking about um, when Regina tempted him to to grab yeah. the cup. Yeah. Because I, I don't think so for two reasons. Because number one, gold is special for whatever reason in his remembering. And number two, that whole thing with Belle was a lie anyway. So yeah. he wouldn't have been saying it's not my fault because he didn't do anything. She's not even dead. So maybe maybe Mr. Gold was remembering as Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Yeah. What happened in Fairytale Land and he was referring to that incident and Maurice Mo was referring to the incident with the cup mm-hmm. in Storybook. Mm, yeah, because what Evil Queen says actually <laughs> chronologically later in this episode, but what she said in Fairytale Land to Rumpelstiltskin. Her father shunned her, cut her off, shut her out. He was cruel to her. He locked her in a tower and sent in clerics to cleanse her soul with scourges and flame. After a while, she threw herself off the tower. She is so good at taunting. She's freaky. So that's what Rumpelstiltskin remembers and that's why he was saying those things while he was beating Maurice. But we didn't hear that connection until later. And I actually missed that the first time because I didn't understand why Rumpelstiltskin was saying all that until the second time I rewatched it and realized the connection between those two lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dachshund just said, 
I think Regina locked her in a tower and Belle's hair grew very long. <laughs> and she escaped with the man with the genius horse. <laughs> Good one, Dachshund. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, Belle. Let down your hair. <laughs> yeah, I liked at the end too when they revealed that she was being held in that downstairs dungeon again like it's pretty funny if you think about it it's it's a mental institute but basically she's in another dozen a dungeon just like um, rumble's castle that's true yeah and there's a really good theory about that uh, about what maybe the dungeon was Uh, a couple things that came in is hunter sent in asking or mentioning the old lady that was in the basement wing of the hospital could be maybe the Red Queen from Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, she she had a thing for red roses. Apparently pointed that out. Maybe. But then Rachel sent in this saying, Hey guys, love your podcast. I listen every week. Last night while watching the new episode, my sister and I came up with the theory that all the patients in the lower part of the hospital actually know their real identities. I love that. We didn't have that much proof but the way the janitor and Belle looked at Regina made us wonder. I love that. Oh, that's a good theory. I like that one very much. Yeah. And what a poetic thing for her to do with them. You mm. you think you're from fairy tale land? You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> very true. <laughs> yeah. It, it would make perfect sense for them to be down there if that's what they were and claiming. And just in case, we'll keep this whole area secret. Obese girl in the chat room said... (laughs) Obese girl. (laughs) Obese girl in the chat room said, I don't think Belle was even able to make it back to her father before Regina got to her. Probably not. No, probably not. Hmm. No, I I mean, Regina knew when she left the castle the first time. She's going to know the second time. Interesting. Especially now that she knows... I mean, Rumpel's talked right to the mirror, so she knew what happened. Now, I know we're going over time, but we do every time. And this scene, <laughs> the scene between Mr. Gold and Regina, there is so much <laughs> in this scene. Let's just go Goosebumps. through this and just let me know as we need to pause. We used to know each other so well, Mr. Gold. Does it really come down to this? It seems it has, yeah. First of all, that hints at, do you think she's really talking about Storybrook, or maybe about fairy tale land. I'm not sure. I don't think Rumpel was sure either. I yeah. think she's talking about fairy tale land. I think they used to get along somewhat. Like, did you see how she treated him? Like, they, she, they used to make deals. You remember when she came to him about the mermaid? Yeah, apparently it seemed like they had some kind of relationship of yeah, doing stuff frequently, not fun stuff. Well, they yeah. both fed upon each other's power to make themselves stronger. Mm-hmm. But you know what I want. What is it you want? I want you to answer one question. And answer it simply. What's your name? Miss Mr. Gold. <laughs> your real name. Every moment I've spent on this earth, that's been my name. Which is a true statement. I love that. You already uncovered on the screen captures that that's the name that was signed on legal documents was simply Mr. Gold. So we were already (laughs) questioning what's his first name. And he says every moment on this earth. Right. Mm -hmm. And if that's an actually true statement. Then the castle is not underneath them. Does that mean 
all of Earth was created as a result of the curse. No. no. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to bring podcaster. you somewhere, I think. <laughs> Didn't you say I'm going to bring you somewhere and not I'm going to create yeah. somewhere? Yeah. Uh, hmm. I mean, yeah, unless be. you want to fit Regina into being the devil. <laughs> or maybe we're one of their stories. Could be. <laughs> or maybe there's a different Earth, not actually our same Earth, but a different planet that, that it it gets a stretch that I think is kind of worthless to thing. go into. Middle Earth. Yeah. Maybe we're all superheroes who ride around on unicorns. I, think, I am. <laughs> I think when he says this Earth, he's referring to more just this land, this existence that we know, not like there's a different planet Storybrooke, which, by the way, if Ariel does come into the picture, I wonder how much ocean Storybrooke contains as well. Well, we already see they're on a coast. Mm-hmm. Right, but or, I'm wondering if like, we're going to find more out there if it's not just you know from this end of the road to this end but there's going to be more to storybrooke and it's going to open it up especially if they're not going to end the curse right away if they're just going to continue opening up and making storybrooke a lot bigger than we originally thought if we see ariel in storybrooke i'm guessing she's not going to have fins i want to i hope she has fins that'd be cool (laughs) oh she goes swimming (laughs) (laughs) but what about moments spent elsewhere what are you asking I think you know. If you want me to return what's yours, tell me your name. Reminds me very much of the actual Rumpelstiltskin thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have to guess his name. Not that this necessarily brings her any power over him, but it's it's like a shout out to the original story. I think it would be ironic if Regina really were the Miller's daughter. Hmm. And she's asking for his name, and he gives it to her, and, hmm. well, in the story, he doesn't give it to her. She right. finds out. So I just think it would be ironic. It would. Yeah, we have a lot still to see there. And I think that is a really good theory that we are going to see pan out like that. Maybe. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. Chills down everyone's <laughs> spine. Now give me what I want. Such hostility. She's like, you want this? You want, oh, oh, uh, uh, there, there, there you go. And someone had also pointed out in, I believe, in the forums that she really had what Rumpelstiltskin wanted or Mr. Gold wanted. And that is she actually has Belle. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. Right. She's just having a little fun with her wording. Yeah. So she must be so happy with herself that. I'm just taunting him over this little teacup when he has no idea I've got Belle in the basement. By the way, did any of you see the irony <laughs> the that Claire, I mean, Belle um, is the only one he doesn't want her baby? <laughs> My baby! <laughs> but he's the only one out of everyone, it seems like, I don't want her baby. So I just thought that was funny going mm-hmm. to, yeah. Well, she doesn't have a baby. True, as far as we know. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was funny, tying it in. Thank you, your majesty. Yes. More chills. Storybrooke has fairy tale talk. You remember when they would say uh, only one knows? Do you think that was just an ABC thing? And they they were just kind of... I called it. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't believe it. Yeah, Stinking marketers. I mean, you even had... um, Daniel, you posted something a while back of Mary Margaret and Mr. Gold, well, the actors, um, talking, and Mr. Gold saying that he did not know... His character does not know who he is, yeah. even though we find out he does. He so it's all know. just, I mean, I don't think the actors even know right. until later on. Now, I think there are two ways we could go with this of 
maybe Rumpelstiltskin has always known, and like that's been my theory, is that he's always known oh, yeah. because he originated the curse, so he had some kind of loophole that he was able to keep his knowledge. The other theory is that maybe he gained the knowledge while in Storybrooke, maybe from Henry's book, maybe from somewhere else. Maybe mm-hmm. he collected his own items that yeah. inspired He's, his memory. Yeah, he loves collecting those items. Yeah, so whatever the case, though, he knows now and he remembers everything from fairy tale land, but that there's no... Thing in this conversation that makes us think that he's always known for as long as he's been in Storybrooke. I don't think there is. I think he has known. Yeah, it's... I, I mean, think so too. all the things that he's done to persuade David to see the windmill and to do things. I mean, he's done a lot of persuasion to people and got them to do what he wanted. And I mentioned this in the forums. Now it's an old episode, a recent post on an old episode in the forum, so no one's commented on it yet. But I did ask... Now that we know that Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold actually knows everything, then why did he do what the queen would have wanted in getting David back to Catherine? I think he was just playing sides to try to get her. I mean, he's just doing a favor. Maybe he wanted that too. Because he placed the windmill there for David to see. Yeah, um, Regina directs him towards Mr. Gold. He also hinted at the carousel, though. You mean Very the mobile? True. Sure. Yeah. By the way, um, something else I was thinking. Do you think Regina knows that when he says please, that he has power over her? Or do you think he, she forgets that? I think she knows. Really? She, I think, think so? She remembers I think she, everything. The first time he uses it, when they're at the apple tree, she looks confused as if, whoa, how did he just do that? But I think every other time, like when he says, please sit. And she goes and sits. I mean, she just does it and she just not sure. seems oblivious to it. I don't think she realizes it. And that's why he knows he has more power than I her. I think it's the part of the curse. I, hate I to think throw, it was just written into the curse. Maybe. I hate to throw a wet blanket, but why didn't he just say, give me the teacup, please? <laughs> and get <laughs> yeah. out, please. And oh, and get me a snow cone, please. I mean, <laughs> or ice cream cone. Go get the rest wanted. of Emma's sandwich, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why he chooses not to use that power all the time, but I think that Regina has known because I think the look that she had at the apple tree, I interpreted that as a shock of how does he know or does he know? That's how I interpreted Hmm. her look. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, that makes sense because she wouldn't be worried about him using it if she doesn't think he remembers. Actually, I would like to take back my comment. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it was a part of the curse. I think it was a condition. It was a condition that she has to respect because uh, it was part of the deal yes. for yes. her knowing. Right. Yes. How. But the thing is that she's realizing he seems to remember that deal, which means he has power over her. Yeah. Which is brought out in the conversation. By the way, I love um, Riddle Raven. She gives a very profound statement about how. He knows um, why he doesn't use please all the time. Because the writers are keeping him from abusing it. Yeah. Easily. Because, I mean, yeah, it's just so much better of a story. I think there were some more conditions in how he could use the word please as well when he first negotiated that with Regina. Someone said any request? Someone else in the chat says that Jane Espenson also tweeted that she thinks that even that magic has a price. And so he doesn't use it all the time. 
Ah, could be. How that looks or whether they'll actually make that true, I don't know, but... Could be. So he's saving those pleases for when it's really worth it. Now that we've been honest with each other, <laughs> let's remember how things used to be, shall we? And don't let these bars fill you, dear. I'm the one with the power around here. I'm going to be out of here in no time. And nothing between us will change. We shall see. <laughs> You're right, Jeremy. That had Evil Queen sound <laughs> all over it. And, she and totally, the way she acted. Oh, that, that picture of her right there, the music and everything else, it totally reminds me of the, uh, the White Witch from Narnia. Hmm. You know, having her always winter, like, this is my world type of thing. You can't take it from me. I think that quote of uh, about the power goes back to one of the last things that we saw them say in fairy tale land when evil queen comes to visit rumpelstiltskin he says you'll never be more powerful than me you can keep trying dearie but you're never gonna beat me they both view it as a game too it's just like funny go ahead beat you at what but the power struggle. Yeah, yeah, but is it really that simple? Just being the most powerful makes you the most powerful. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, there might know. be something they fought over. Yeah, I'm thinking there's something else going on. You know what? If I don't know, this is just far stretch. But if they're if they have the medical thing downstairs for the crazy people that think they're in fairy tale world, um, I wonder if she knows. I mean, I'm pretty sure she knew what was in those minds. If she's already, she has underground there, she has an underground in the cemetery, um, I think she's got more places to Storybrooke that other people don't know about. Well, I always thought that when she threw that piece down the mine shaft, she did that knowing full well what it was, and, and she wanted to land. hide it, because mm-hmm. she was being all secretive about it, mm-hmm. why and then tossed it away. I still want to know why that was even there. I mean, maybe it's as simple as other artifacts being in this world. I think she was just trying to keep it because that was an artifact that would inspire memory. Yeah. The whole castle got destroyed when they got sucked into the curse. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder, is Fairytale Land, if they go back to it, will it be destroyed? Or or did some of it, if it brought, got brought into here, did it get ripped mm-hmm. up or is it going to be the same? Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Yeah. We, yeah, there's like we mentioned earlier that Graham seemed to possibly have had the curse broken, but he was still here. He just remembered who he was. So is that because it was only a partial breaking? If the overall curse is broken, do they all go back? Is it all reconstructed or do they stay? That goes back to what will be the overall game plan for the show? What will we even see just in this season? Right. We have no idea. Yeah, we're right, only we can... 13 episodes in. We can guess what some of the fairy tales will be just by looking at episode titles. We're not going to discuss that here because that's kind of spoilerish. Uh, which, by the way, if you go to oncepodcast.com slash spoilers, then you'll see what our position is on what we consider a spoiler. But we can guess what some of the upcoming fairy tales might be just from the episode titles. But we have no idea, I think, what the storybook timeline or events will be. I haven't titles. read any of those spoilers yet. I've been good. <laughs> good. Jeremy, on the I, other hand, keeps little things taunting me with them. <laughs> yeah, I write blog posts. <laughs> awesome episode. Yes. Thank you, ABC. Thank you. The fact that we even loved this show so much in the beginning is amazing because a lot of great shows take a while to really hit their stride. 
and we've seen some rough spots, but they're starting to smooth those things out. Yeah, this and the writing is getting better and better, and the plot is getting thicker. Well, we hope yep. so. The one right before this wasn't that great, greatly written. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. They're going to have hit and misses. Which I realized even watching Lost, there was some, I was like, ugh, that was boring and a waste yep. of my time. And I'm watching Star Trek right now, too, which I can even apply <laughs> that to, <laughs> to a whole new level. But yeah, <laughs> so you expect some good ones, some bad ones. We have a lot higher standards now of what a TV show should be. And I think that's great that they're meeting those standards with the way that they're making these deep plots and everything. Mm-hmm. But listeners, we would love to hear from you what you think about what we talked about today and some of the other stuff that's going on with the TV show Once Upon a Time. So if you want to comment on what we talked about in this episode, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash 15, see the show notes, see the screen captures that we mentioned, some of the links that we mentioned, and you can check those out there and comment there. But if you really want to get a conversation going over some of these theories and you guys send some awesome feedback and the, the feedback systems that we have... I really highly recommend that you post that on the forums and get active in the forums. There are some awesome conversations going on in there about past episodes, current episodes, future episodes, general overall theories, and all sorts of awesome stuff. You can sign up for free. Don't even have to create a username and password if you want. You can log in with Twitter or Facebook. Go to oncepodcast.com slash forums, and you can join there and start conversing conversing (laughs) talking with others about this awesome tv show please make sure that you're also subscribed to the podcast over at oncepodcast.com leave some nice ratings and reviews and itunes and thank you so much to everyone who has recently left some i know that riddle raven has left one and uh dachshund i think left a review and a couple other of our faithful listeners who have sent in some feedback and we've got a bunch of other reviews in there and We are really grateful for those ratings and reviews. You can follow the podcast on Twitter by following Once Podcast. You can send your feedback for the podcast to 903-231-2221 or email feedback at oncepodcast.com or go to the website oncepodcast.com and click the send a voice message tab over on the right side and send a message right from your computer. And again, go to the forums, oncepodcast.com slash forums to chat there with many other people. And you can join us for the live podcast on every Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time at noodle.mx. And we're starting to do this thing that as we watch the episodes live on Sunday evenings, we have the chat room going, which is fun to chat with people and ask questions as the episode is going on. We're all like, (laughs) did you see that? And it's really fun to do that and also try and follow the live tweets from the cast and crew. But then afterward, we've decided to start trying to do these initial reactions where we invite you to call in and share some of your initial thoughts with us. So check those out on Sunday evenings. And that's over at noodle.mx slash live as well. Now you can follow each of us on Twitter I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Dan Flynn. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Dan Flynn Design. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. Just remember that a nice fatty pastrami <laughs> is a delicious way to clear the books. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening.
Once podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our great podcasts like this one at noodle.mx.